I'll do fresh for that. I I mean, the only mistake I did was schedule a video for next year, but that's all. <laughs> and then wonder why it never appeared. Yeah, I was like, ah, shouldn't that be out like three days ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, funny. this podcast isn't scheduled for next year because this is the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and this is episode 22, airing June 19th. 22, 2022. There's too many 22s in that sentence. At least we're not airing on the 22nd of June because that would be a problem. Um, oh my but, God, yeah. Uh, I'm blind and I'm hosting and uh, this. I, I feel like I'm half awake today, so I'm just going to let Kiri take over. How's your day been? Uh, <laughs> um, long. <laughs> difficult. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, Got I it. don't. Ooh, okay. FG, how's that your day been? day. Very long. I just finished a nine and a half hour stream, but I'm doing pretty good. I had pizza. That was good. Ah, uh, very nice. Mm, nummies. Fantastic. Uh, uh, Jess is also here. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm on my second cup of coffee and I'm getting pizza later, but it's still early for me. So I'm not tired from being awake, but tired from being asleep. Does that make sense? I'm also on my second cup of coffee. <laughs> Kind of makes sense. Now I can neither confirm nor deny how many cups of coffee he's had, but uh, we have we have a guest on today who is um, Cora. Do you want to inter introduce yourself and tell people who who you are and a little bit about what you do? Definitely, I'm Cormacher. Uh, that's the real definition of the Icelandic name. But let's go for Cora Corm. That's easier for the ear and for the tongue. I myself am a content creator since I think three and a half years, coming to the fourth. And since recently, since half a year, I have joined a game publisher called Hooded Horse. And now we are trying to pioneer, I feel like this little soldier in the front line digging the war trenches, um, to make how publishing games work different in a way that we focus on making the developer happy and therefore hopefully getting high quality games and uh, not just some rest out games and unfinished feeling better cut for the de for the developers still the publisher gets his money and we're getting better quality games if that makes any sense hell yeah Sounds yeah no great. i am i i think that the a lot of people um well any people here might uh or listening to this podcast might know ho uh, hooded horse uh from old world specifically correct right yeah that's our first baby that entered the markets a few weeks ago yeah because I, I, I've heard quite a bit of positive buzz around that game um, from people here as well as other spaces over the over the years. So lovely to yeah, have you on the podcast. And um, Thank you for having me. We, we do have a whole lot of things to kind of go through here today. We've got uh, fake E3 kind of recap, which is probably what we're just going to dive into. <laughs> because frankly, there, there's, there's a lot here. Um, we, we got... Uh, a bunch of stuff from E3. We've got games that we've been playing this past week, plus uh, a, a Seth Green NFT update, which is um, more schadenfreude, I suppose. Um, but uh, <laughs> let, let's just kind of, I guess, dive into um, this year's key three, fake E3, uh, summer games, fest, wh whatever you want to call it, really, at this point. Because it's not over. It's just going to kind of keep going on for like another month. There's more streams scheduled and more announcements than things happening over the next few weeks, too. So... I guess this is just summer now. It's just we, we no longer have video game Christmas on like a weekend. It's now video game Christmas season. So, um, Which makes it really difficult to follow everything. Because the last weekend or like extended weekend was okay because everything was like just there, right? 
But now you ha have to actually look for all the different cons and showcases and stuff. It's not easy. I, while I, I, I really love uh, Jeff Keighley and his ability to kind of shepherd all of these announcement cycles into kind of one bin to a degree, it's was still a lot easier to just go to one website and just be like, all right, everything's happening. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, go. <laughs> and then yeah. it's over after that. But I don't know. I kind of I kind of like everybody else getting their chance to kind of put on a show. It makes it feel more collaborative. I don't know. It was definitely cool. I liked it. Also, it's it was a, kind a of... lot of information to take in. It is. It yeah. Is, absolutely. I was part I of it. I think the one real benefit of it, though, is you can kind of ignore things that you know that you won't be interested in. True. Which yeah, previously course, you you'd just too. be exposed to EA Games' football segment. Now I can just completely pretend that EA Games doesn't exist. <laughs> fantastic, frankly. Um, all for the best. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, we, we've got a few highlights here kind of at the start. I mean, I'm the Aliens fan here, I think. So, uh, But um, there, I think there's quite a few of you guys who are interested in Diablo 4. So, uh, Kiri, do you want to take us away with the... Uh, with your thoughts on the previews of Diablo 4. Yes. So we saw the last class, the Necromancer, and it looks awesome. I don't know, I was just so hyped. Um, Diablo, or just Blizzard, but Diablo makes really amazing cinematics, and that was another really good one. We saw a bit of gameplay, but I feel like we've seen most of that before, because that was, I don't know, I feel like I've seen it before. Um... I'm I'm a Diablo fangirl. What can I say? I've played it since the first one, and I'm just absolutely incredibly hyped about it. Also, they've promised that it's not going to be like Diablo Immortal. It's going to have the usual you buy the game. And that's what it's called. It's not really what it's called. Okay, Diablo Immortal. Do you guys not have mortgages? Sorry. Do you guys not have mortgages? Yeah. No, I love it. Diablo Immortal. That's what I'll call it from now on. That's perfect. Have you not heard that before? No, I haven't. That's all over the internet. Every Okay. No, no not I haven't heard it at all. You know, people who know I what's going on. think you just titled on, this podcast. They're calling it Diablo mm. Immortal. Perfect. Because of how much money they want you to spend on it. You don't have to, right? But, you you know, yeah, basically yeah. what the game is for. But Diablo 4 is just going to be the normal Diablo PC game monetization I'm gonna say so you, you purchase the game there will be DLCs and uh, I think they said cosmetics but it's not so what like, you're saying is they're not gonna have a real money auction house again I think they've learned that lesson I hope so I hope so too <laughs> yeah no no when they announced uh the, the necromancer and just you know they show new Diablo 4 stuff uh, people were obviously concerned uh, about this being like the mobile game now, but they immediately said, no, no, it's not going to be. So that makes me hopeful. Yeah, I I have to say, I I have played past Diablos, but it, it totally, totally passed me by Diablo 4 this time around. I just, I, I nope. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not even to do with, with with Immortal. I don't know. It just doesn't grab me at all. Immoral. FG. Immoral. Yes. Mm -hmm. True. It, it, is it like a kind of a combination of just like the way the industry is? Or are you just like, I don't have time for a big action RPG right now? No, it's more like I, I don't 
get an enjoyment out of the Diablo world and just running things over and over. And mm. also it's a Blizzard game, which is still icky and I don't want to touch it. Yeah. Blizzard. Yeah. I mean, I, I could just sit here and grumble about it, but all I'll say is that the Diablo Immortal meme house is continuing to turn. Yeah, um, that's true. And it's very amusing for me as <laughs> somebody who doesn't it's not that i don't care about diablo it's like i played diablo 2 and i really liked diablo 2 but i don't know if there is a need for me to go back to diablo in this in the current age i guess i personally am excited for diablo 4 i'm just curious if uh, all the classes will be included in one or if they go down the dlc legacy and be like hey you have three classes at the other one pay for them so what they've said is that the, was it four or five classes they introduced right now? Those are the ones from the base game. So you have the, the Necro that was just announced. I think the Druid, the Sorcerer, uh, Barbarian, mm -hmm. something else? A Rogue. Some, I think a Rogue. Yeah, some Archie Shooty Duty. Yeah, so I think it's five classes and you get those right from the start. They might, you know, add more classes as they go on. I would expect mm. them to, to be honest. I've never played well, Diablo. I mean... <laughs> oh! Do you know what Pax Path of Exile is? Yes. Because it, it's that. I pretty much have yeah, not played that, so... We'll go play that for five minutes, and then you'll have a pretty good idea. <laughs> I love action RPGs. Diablo, I guess, has a bit more of a... Like, the story setting is a bit more fleshed out than in PoE, and a bit more, like... Um, nostalgic for a lot of people i guess it, it, it i i feel like it's almost impossible to be in games in in games in general or play a lot of games and not have heard the name deckard kane at least once stay yeah. a while and listen yeah and that too. because it is yeah. quite literally one of the best video game names in video games <laughs> it's a great name also a great voice it's, actor yeah it's right up there with like being told what are you buying it's like there's just some things in games that you can't avoid, and Diablo is kind of one of them. But you know, we'll see. L unless you're me. <laughs> that, that's. <a> good <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, you've heard "What are you buying?" Right? Actually, I haven't. You've never had somebody unironically just like walk up to you and say, "What are you buying?" No. Because no. that's Resident Evil. Oh, well, that explains well, it. Well, there you go. The, the guy walks the up zombies. to you and he opens up his jacket and he goes, what are you buying? What are you selling? Okay. There's just random, like, dude with bullets in his jacket in the middle of a haunted mansion. You're asking the person who doesn't play zombie games. like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm very excited for Aliens Dark Descent. Um, just because I get excited for every Aliens game and I'm always disappointed. So I'm ready to be disappointed again. <laughs> Um, the trailer looked like, I, I thought it was like Fireteam Elite DLC while I was watching the trailer. Mm. Um, the trailer got some pretty, pretty legitimate criticism because it, it almost feels like a bait and switch. It's like, oh, here's a really long trailer of like alien cinematic stuff. And then it pans out and it's a top down game. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm here for it. I'll play it. I'm in, I'm interested. They got me listening. So same um, actually same. So I've got. Yeah. I, I, there's two people on here that have written down Ara History Untold, and I've watched the trailer. What the hell is that game? More yeah. like strategy expand, like yeah, 4X strategy game. Sure, but 
We it's haven't like, seen anything about it. <laughs> Any other information? <laughs> I know it's Civ, but not Civ. And it has yeah. the voice actor of uh, Avisarala from The Expanse doing the narration. Yeah, that was the one thing that really stuck with me. It was like, oh, yeah. it's Avisarala. Wait, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So. It, I was just very excited about it because I watched the trailer and, and I also ra- read Twitch chat while watching the trailer. Everybody's like, is this going to be a new Civ? That's going to be so cool. And then it was not a new Civ. But it's still exciting. I, I am down for a 4X historic strategy game. Yeah. If it does something new, that would be great. We'll see. we'll see. Like like having another contender, like you know, have like a like a Sif and then a human kind and then a different one. Like, you know, could be could be good for the genre as well. Like put some more fresh I don't know, like rejuvenate the, the, the genre a little bit more and new gameplay and whatnot. But obviously like we haven't seen much, right? That's the thing. Yeah. That was the trailer, but that didn't say much. Yeah, yeah. Or they've been really good looking. But yeah, more competition in the market means uh, probably more fletched out systems, new th- stuff to come, and maybe like a little bit of a kick in the ass to do something fresh. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, a couple of years ago, just kind of talking about like Civ and hex based games in general, uh, a couple of years ago, I remember just like sitting in, in not in this chair but in the chair that i owned at the time over at the other end of this apartment when my office was over at the other end of this apartment having this discussion with a friend of mine while playing civ 5 i think before civ 6 was coming out like civ 6 was like soon tm and he was just like i wish somebody else would get off their ass and make a better civ because that <laughs> one looks terrible and he was just going on about how bad he thought civ 6 he, he loves he has like six thousand hours in civ 6 now um, <laughs> but he's just like I, I i wish somebody else would make a civ because civ 5 sucked civ 6 is going to suck we're never going to get a good civ and he's just sitting there ranting and ranting and ranting he still plays civ 6 hasn't bought any of the other like <laughs> games that are like hasn't played humankind he's like nah humankind looks terrible didn't play any of the indie ones that looked kind of like that were like 4xy and it's just like it's great that there's competition in that industry, but I think that there's some people that have just been playing Civ so long that they're stuck in that so- Stockholm syndrome of constantly hating Civ and they don't trust any other games. It's a really weird market, and I, Ara History Untold is a difficult name for me to remember. Like I watched that trailer, and it was a nice trailer, and I had to just go rewatch that trailer to remind myself what that game was, because I don't know. It's just there. There's nothing about it that like. Ping, that's a strategy game, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, like reading that name, it kind of reminds me of, um, what was that 3D act character action game that came out out of, out of nowhere? It was like Kanya something? Bridge of Spirits? Yeah. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like a little 3D action game, just reading the title. So hopefully they can, like, get a, a good marketing push of messaging behind that game. Because right now, I, it's not the most memorable thing to stick in my head. That's kind of my thoughts on that. I actually have to say, I have this problem with literally every game I've seen at not E3. Like, (laughs) I completely forgot about Aura and Return to Moria, even though I was really excited about seeing them. But, like, until, like, people write it in our secret document here, I completely forgot about them because 
I totally did not just spend that whole conversation scrolling through the list of announcements to be like, I need a game. I need a game. What did I see? <laughs> I saw so many games. What did I yeah, see? Yeah, there was so much. <laughs> like, like the wholesome yeah. direct alone, it had like 200 games. It was just went like, bam, 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 bam. Like, it was too much. I, was I didn't much. even watch the wholesome direct. I just went and scrolled up and down itch.io in the coming soon section and <laughs> Steam in the coming soon section. I was like, okay, I think I got it all. Oh, one oh. thing that Steam did this year that was really awesome was they actually put the showcases into Steam. So you could browse the games by um, by showcase announcements. I, I, I don't know if you all saw that. that before, but they, they portioned them out a lot better than previous years, for sure. Yeah, it was so easy to go through and be like, oh, yeah, wishlist, 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 wishlist. Mm. <laughs> That's very nice. The never-ending yeah, roadmap. My wishlist went from 40-something to 70-something. I was just watching it and taking notes on the side, and then every every time I saw a game, if I was at my PC, I would already look it up on Steam and wishlist it. If I wasn't, then I was just you know taking taking note of the name. Mm. Otherwise, I would have forgotten to. I have a long list of games that I need to go through. I haven't gone through it yet. Speaking of long games, Corm, uh, we we've kind of just been talking about things up until now, but uh, talk talk to me about uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand Rogue Trader. Oh, that's I'm super excited about that. First of all, I love Warhammer 40k and the whole universe around it. And for some reason, apparently, it's our year because Space Marine 2, Rogue Traders coming out, then Dark Tide is coming out from the makers of Vermintide, that co-op kind of uh, hack and slash thing is like bombarding us with Warhammer game. But here's also the problem: none of them is actually really good, except of a few outstanding standing ones so i'm kind of hyped and kind of worried at the same time but uh, rogue trader is from uh friends of mine from uh, alcat studios a uh, russian team and they have uh landed perfectly with their pathfinder games pathfinder kingmaker and pathfinder wrath of the righteous huge crpgs and finally we get a good rpg uh big chunk crazy classical top-down turn-based tactics lore that you will probably get flooded and don't know your name anymore and uh that said in the warhammer 40k universe i was like nearly biting my table when i saw that announcement <laughs> i'm really excited about it too and their community manager and, and some people of the team is like hey we have something but we can't tell you and they were like teasing me for two weeks until they announced it, it was uh very very bad of them to do but uh <laughs> they probably had a lot of fun doing that because i'm um, then you're my huge fan. I I'm, I'm tentatively curious about this one, and I, I just I like I'm I'm not a Warhammer person. I really really love Space Marine, and I really 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 like Battlefleet Gothic, and that's kind of like my extent of like Warhammer games. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've I, I've watched a lot of people play previous Owl Cat games, um, and uh, most most notably recently Bellinair when he did a playthrough of Pathfinder, the, the second one that they put out, um, Kingmaker, I think? Anyway, um, as he made it to the end of that game, um, it ran so poorly and played so poorly and was so buggy that he kept softlocking the game. Um, just because he apparently managed to have this like completely busted dragon build where he had like 50 like mirror image dragons on the screen and like he'd go into a fight and he'd activate all his abilities and his dragons would fill up the screen completely. <laughs> and the frame rate would go down to, like, one frame a second, and everything on the enemy side would die immediately, and then it would take about two minutes to 
like for his spells to finish because the game lagged so much and then he'd get to walk to the next fight. Um, so I just, I hope that there's a little bit more QA on this one, <laughs> but it's a Warhammer game. So I'm not very expectant about that, but it's, it's a CRPG. So we'll see. I hear you. I hear you. I luckily did never run into such issues, but yeah, you can definitely probably cheese out the, D&D Pathfinder system to crazy amount of unrealistical thing and then just intentionally probably break whatever is going on there on the screen. Have they announced for Rogue Trader, is it going to be, is it actually going to be turn-based or is it real-time with pause? It's like Okay, like the Pathfinder game. Very nice. Okay, that's good. I prefer that for my CRPGs. Both uh, Pathfinder games have also a turn-based uh, module that you can activate. You can do it now, yes, you can do it now, yeah. Oh. Is you... it gonna be... Sorry? No, I'm good. Is it gonna be multiplayer? Do we know already? Not that I know of. Okay. Could be interesting if you have, like, friends <laughs> joining in and controlling one of your group members and, like, play together yeah. the whole adventure. Because I want my CRPGs to be multiplayer. Same. It's really fun. Yes. I think we're everybody's spoiled after, um... Why am I... Blanking on the name Divinity. of those two games. Divinity. Divinity, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Celeste is also multiplayer, and um, Wasteland 3 is, well, it's only co op. It's not multiplayer, not four player, four, four player co op, but Celeste now is. It, it's really I need good. To play Wasteland 3. I need to do that. Well, then I know <laughs> what I will bug the devs about the next couple of weeks as they have squeezed me with their secrecy. I will be like, mm -hmm. hey, yeah. multiplayer, <laughs> multiplayer. Yeah, please do that. Co up. Co yeah, please. Up, yeah. Co up. <laughs> I'll do it right uh, now. Speaking of things that will not have multiplayer, I'm very excited about Cocoon. Do any of you remember that trailer? No. What's that? What was that? No. Which so one Cocoon, was Cocoon. Cocoon is Cocoon. from the designers of Inside and Limbo, which are two of my favorite Ooh. games of all time. I like and those it's games. a top down puzzle game it looks like it looks like a non-violent puzzle game but it's hard to say um and the trailer kind of shows this weird orby cocoon thing oh. and then the main character falls out of it and then they go and they pick up an orb and they put the orb in a thing and it makes a portal and then they go and they grab another orb and then they jump into the portal and pop up in a new version of the same world and go and grab a different orb it looks like an interdimensional puzzle game thing and i'm very excited Multiverse. i remember the trailer now i re i remember and i was thinking I like is this one Holy crap, this trailer already breaks my, my brain. Playing this game is going to break my brain. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm excited. Very excited. That and Somerville, I think, are my two big... Oh, it was the people who used to work at Playdead that don't work at Playdead anymore. Let's go. Because Playdead managed to make two of my favorite games of all time. So let's see if we can get a third or fourth under there. Hmm. So not, not a lot in the trailer, but that's something that I'm super keen on. Nice. Um, so um, while we were talking, a bunch of uh, Lord of the Rings Return to Moria's appeared. Who wants to take that one? I uh, guess Jess. I can. Go, Jess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so there were a lot of things that I, were, I was excited about, but fortunately I was able to try a number of demos, so that, like, I don't know. Felt good, sort of sated that hunger to like all the games, but one that was announced is Lord of the Rings Return to Moria, <laughs> which is a survival crafting game. 
in, in a procedurally generated world. And I think that sounds really cool. I'm just really hoping that they do it well. It yeah, can be same. single player or co-op. Speaking of co-op. <laughs> but there's there's not really like much info on it yet. Like I'm not sure if this is gonna be like a first person thing or like top down. Yeah. I think it's first person because um I think the Epic Store it has already has a game page on the Epic Store because this is coming this is something that's coming to the Epic Store first, I think. Which uh, I'm not huge about, but okay. <laughs> or does it not? I might not have anything. Actually, I don't know. No, I, I think it only has, like, pictures. I don't know. I... Ah, this one... Like, everything about it sounds really good. That's why I feel like it has to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm re-watching this trailer, and everything about this just looks kind of like Valheim, but dwarves underground. I mean, in a sense, are not saying. all survival games super similar in terms of building, survival... All have these clickable. It, it definitely, it definitely looks grid based instead of like a free build. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Mm. But yeah, I think but the, <sighs> the exciting part is like the the world, right? Because I mean, like there's that whole mystery of Moria that, like, hopefully we all know about, right? <laughs> yes. But you shall not pass. <laughs> but. As you dig deeper and explore, like, I, I don't know, just that innate fear that hopefully they'll be able to capture, you know, and like... I know what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we have to dig drums, deeper, but I know what's down below. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think, it, I think it can be done well or really badly. So, I wonder, are they going to put a second Balrog into Moria? Or what are they uh, gonna do? I mean, or are they gonna are they gonna retcon it and be like, well, the Balrog Gandalf actually never like defeated it, or I don't know, it just slept. But then why would it I mean, sleep for like I don't know? I mean, they haven't said. What era does this take place in? Is this before or after Gandalf gets there? After. Oh, this is fourth. This is fourth uh, age. So this is in an age where okay. the elves are gone. So, okay, so this is way later. Gotcha. So this yeah, is later. That. Yeah, we yeah. don't know when in the fourth age, but it is later. Yeah. I mean, I guess another Balrog, Balrog could take Come over. On. Maybe the Balrog had family. No! <laughs> had a family! <laughs> I'm a huge, huge Lord of, Lord of the Rings the nerd. Of us, so please yeah, go ahead. Me uh, too. Okay, school us on this then. Balrog's like ancient being, and he was like one of thousands of years back, accidentally. Buried in that mountain, and the dwarves were just to greet and dig him out and be like, Hey, I'm free now! And killed all of Moria. Uh, but it's, I think, the last specimen that survived the whole cataclysm that happened back in... Uh, I think so, yeah. The pre-time pre, pre -time of forming Middle-earth and its world. So uh, that would be weird. But then again, it's a game, and it's there to make uh, us uh, having fun. So it doesn't necessarily need to be lore-accurate. Uh, if they claim yeah. to be lore accurate and then they're not, then it's, that's another setting. But uh, there also doesn't even need to be a Balrog. Yeah, because that's already doing some weird things that is not really lore fitting. But ogres. I don't mind. I, I was just gonna say the thing as well. Like it doesn't need to be a Balrog. You know what I want? There is that scene where they're in right. there, and then they're they're you know the the scene. In the movie, they did it with the well and the the bone that falls down, and then but in the book, it's like. 
you know, the noise that they hear, it's drums, drums in the deep, and like, I want that. Like, you just, yeah. you just hear nothing, and you just hear the drums, and then you know, oh shit, in like 10 minutes, <laughs> there's gonna be this horde of just orc goblins coming at me, and I have to defend my base or something like that. I don't know, like, I want yeah, they, that. They could go just full on seven days to die with it, and just be like, I don't know once every x number of hours or x number of minutes or x number of time in game or if you go too far you start hearing drums and then you have x amount of time to run back home and man yep. the ballistas or whatever man yeah, the catapults really cool. that would be Dump really the cool acid. let's go i, hope I get a feeling I of deep rock it. galactic there sorry i mean deep rock galactic but fantasy go yeah i'd be i'd be down but you build a base it seems like from the description there might actually be a noise mechanic. So Ooh. Where did I see Ooh. that? Don't disturb the deep. Noise mechanic. Like yeah. I mean, like I, I, I like dwarves a whole lot. So Ah, uh, yes. I'm curious about this, but survival games tend to bounce off me pretty heavily, so. Mm. It says here, players can mine to craft greater gear and resources, but beware mining makes noise, and noise created in the quiet deep threatens to awaken the dangers below. Ah, oh, I see. Drums. So, some some nice. sort of noise mechanic. That's like, oh god, the blue man group is playing again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, apparently they have, you can find, you can find ancient magic items that that glow when orcs are near. Ooh, oh, that gives me a tingle. All of the subscriptions. <laughs> I want this game now! Give it to me. She's just like, I want my glowy gloves. Mm -hmm. But, um, so we, 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 we've covered, we've, we've talked about a little bit about Diablo. We, we've done Ara, History Untold, Aliens, Cocoon, Warhammer 40,000, Rogue Trader. So there's one thing left on our list. Um, it starts with Star and it ends with Field. This is one that I was very underwhelmed by. So someone who's like excited about this, take this one. I, I share the sentiment blind. I put it on there. I put it on my list because we finally got to see more and I'm excited about that. Um, but you could also very much see from the trailer, it is a Bethesda game. <laughs> and the, the the trailer has already been like picked apart and like there, there's already like one thing like yeah there's a guy in the trailer walking around that has his head on backwards it's amazing yep. <laughs> there's there's yes. also a, a scene where a guy gets Is shot in, indoors and for no reason that. his body flies in the wrong direction that, <sighs> from where he was getting shot yeah sorry. so they're like shooting him and his body goes backwards so, towards the door so I, I'm excited for like or, or I'm looking forward to playing Starfield because I'm looking forward to walking through another Bethesda sandbox RPG with with utterly broken mechanics and bugs. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> so I'm, my hope I'm like 100% aware. Huh? Sorry? My hope is that I can melee a ship into space. Yes. Yeah. Or like <laughs> just wacky things like that. That's what I, that's what I want. I want to... I want a game that's supposed to be serious, but it just breaks, and you have like I don't know spaceships landing upside down on a house or something like just just completely broken stuff. That's what I'm looking forward to because I'm I do not expect a polished thing. It's it's gonna it's it's a, it's gonna be a Bethesda release, but I'm excited to get a Bethesda RPG that's not Fallout seventy six. <clears throat> mm -hmm. That's why I put it on my list. 
And now I want Fallout 5, please. Buy Obsidian. That's what I that's what that's what I would really be excited about. I would like another Elder Scrolls game, personally, but You'll Well that comes it. before <laughs> Fallout. Seven years. Yeah. So Starfield, then Elder Scrolls 6, then Fallout 5. But what I'm most excited about it is, and I hope they have learned from previous title, especially talking of uh, Fallout and, and uh, Skyrim, that they built their whole system around modability, and that's what actually freaks me out, what the community will do with the game and the tools mm. and the settings and uh, creates. I'm right now preparing my first playthrough of Skyrim. I've never played it. I played it like up until the very first city. I can't recall it's something with whites, whites fall, whites. White run? White, white, white run. run yeah. White run. The first dragon encounter, that's how far I came. Then hardware broke down. Then I had to restart and then I had to restart and I was like, okay, screw that. I'm going to never play it uh, top to bottom. And now I just ran a mod pack through it and I'm like, Whoa, this game looks like it just came out and with new mechanics and directional movement and the whole flora and fauna looks like up to date. I, I would even dare to say it looks better than Elden Ring from what I see on my screen. And it's just mind blowing for me. And when that hits with Starfield and the possibilities of potentially 1000 planets to explore and uh, the whole playground for modding community and sci-fi freaks to play around i'm i'm done for that i can't wait to build my thomas the tank engine spaceship and fly to the thomas the tank engine <laughs> planet to kill thomas the tank engines <laughs> yes. That's oh please actually the only reason i'm mildly interested in this game apparently <laughs> the cat is for too the memes. <laughs> but that's basically what I did in Skyrim by the end of it anyway. It was just like, all right, crabs with top hats, Thomas, the tank engine's in the sky, and I have a banana gun. Let's go. <laughs> I think that's that's what everybody did with Skyrim eventually. That's that's where all Skyrim modern runs lead eventually. Uh, I never finished my run. It it broke. Course, Some things yeah. that, that, that I will say about this trailer, though, um, and the footage that they showed is... I like science fiction games. I, li I like space games. I like space games a lot. I have a lot of time at Elite Dangerous. I really like the free space games. I like the X franchise. I li I I've played uh, 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 Project Gemini. I've played um, Freelancer. I've played TIE Fighter. I've played a little bit of X-Wing. I've played a lot of space games. That space combat looks extremely bad. Yep. Like, it yeah. looks worse than No Man's Sky combat looked at launch. And that is exceptionally disappointing to me. Um, I didn't know what route they were going to go with their space stuff for this game. Um, but it, it's very much like you can build your own ships. That's really cool. You can build bases, and that's really cool. Although it's probably just going to send you notifications every 30 minutes like it did in Fallout saying, hey, you're getting attacked, which <laughs> that'll be fun, right? <laughs> um, but like the, the spaceship building and the part where you can walk around in the ships, that, that part looks rad. Um, and, like, the actual, like, visuals of just looking around the landscape, aside from that, everything is, like, gray and bland and muted. I don't like that. I like colorful things. I, I don't like it when things are just like, yo, you are colorblind and can see gray and brown. It looks like a game that came out in, like, 2009 in that era where everything was brown. I don't like that very much. Maybe there's planets where things are colorful, but all of the stuff that they showed in that trailer looked bland. So... 
I, and I don't want to just sit here and be like, wish lists of mods, but like, I, we need better color HUDs, because like, that is just wrong. Uh, the, and there's an upsettingly large amount of lens flare, and the, then, then they get into the ship, and then they fly up into space, and it's like, okay, that, that part looks cool, but the, act, the combat that they showed was like, low atmosphere, kind of, and everything was just glare-ridden, and the third person, well, I mean, third person has never been good in a Bethesda game, but like, the third person space combat looked horrendous, the in-cockpit space combat looked almost worse. And, <clears throat> yeah. I hope, well. I hope they deliver something good until it comes, whenever it comes. But apparently of the trailer, they said everything that has been shown within 12 months, right, will be yeah. coming. I don't believe yeah, that. Yeah, that's but what they okay. say. This is the first time they've announced a release date for a Bethesda game and then delayed it. Mm, maybe Bethesda they've learned. Game. I mean, I, I assume they really, 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 really wanted to hit 11-11. But... Like, well, somebody wanted them to hit that. Yeah, that, it's, somebody it's, did. It's a bit scary to think that there was such an iconic date, and they they you know because obviously they chose it for its symbolism. For those who don't know, um, November eleventh, two thousand eleven is when Skyrim came out. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, this would be eleven eleven twenty two. Um, I I almost feel like. There must have been something like really wrong still, or rough. So well, I don't there know. There was murmurs coming out of Bethesda game development uh, shortly after that, and the release date was delayed, basically saying we don't want to be another uh, yeah. cyberpunk. Yeah. And that's where we currently are. <laughs> I mean, that's that's um, to be fair. That's 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 and that, to be to be honest, I. To respect that, yeah, I respect that exactly. Like, just ra I'd rather have a game that's like good and it's you now as much fun as it can be as like a broken thing. So, I I'll wait. We've waited so long. What's what's six more months? Eight more months? Doesn't a year, really. two, or three doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter exactly. If the game is better for waiting, I'm gladly waiting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's Same. what we say on our consumer end, but the publisher or the producer back there, like, ah, this is not worth it, money. Well, it is. It is Push because it the investors are like, but my money, I need to make another five million dollars this year. Five million? <laughs> <laughs> Only? Whatever. Only five million? Well, on, I was singling out one investor of many. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I not, not, not just all investors find that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I get you. Yeah. But um, now that we've kind of run through kind of our, our highlights of fake E3, I, I'm, I'm curious, what, what's everybody's kind of take on the state of E3? Because, like, you know, e, E3 for, we kind of talked about this a little bit more before, before recording, but, like, E3 is, you know, was video game Christmas. This was the, the week where everything got announced previously, and now E3 is kind of no more. We're still calling it E3. Um. Well, not, maybe not no more, but it's it's on hold permanently until next year. Next year, yeah. Um, and Summer Games Fest has announced that next year they're going to do a full-blown, like, uh, in-person event instead of just a, like, tiny little press and elite YouTubers uh, event where where they had, they had, like, 300 people at that thing. It was, like, local YouTubers that were big and press, basically. And then they had people on like little iPads on robots driving around uh, <laughs> looking at games. And it's like, 
that, that, that that's a neat thing that they that they put together but they want to do a bigger scale version of that next year so like how, how is everybody feeling about kind of this current generation of e3 i guess i i think um especially this year and i understand why e3 did that um if we if we go to years past and like also like look how certain companies decide to not do anything at all um we are currently and next year is even going to be also still marginally affected we but this year in particular is like the height of the year where or, or, or like the height of the post or pandemic game delays if that like i'm not explaining it very well but basically all of the games that originally were slated to come out this year and next year um were in like their major production phase during covid right so like two years ago two and a half years ago one and a half years ago so all of those games all the big ones they're gonna come out next year or the year after so i found this year's not e3 there was a lot but it was underwhelming so I don't know, and I'm not a, I don't know, I don't know if I want E3 to come back because I do like that a lot of, like, smaller events are happening, like the Wholesome Direct, the Gorilla Collective stuff, like all of the smaller stuff. Um, I, I like that too, but it's just, it's just too much. So I think I'm actually kind of looking forward to it all, just coming back on a set schedule on like three, four days and. Assuming it does, yeah, who knows? But I, because the problem is, if it's not under one big umbrella event, there is no. They don't work together, right? And that's why we see games in three or four or more showcases, and it's like, all right, I've seen this trailer three times already. Like, give me next game, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that yeah. was a bit better. Before. I see where you're coming from with that, but I, I actually really kind of liked it in smaller showcases because they all felt a little bit more genuine rather than like some super produced like just corny jokes and i'm just like oh my gosh shut up get on with it <laughs> ubisoft <laughs> you know, like, press conference <laughs> yeah it's like gamer. i i kind of liked actually um like just hearing the devs talk about their stuff and just like quickly moving through it without the whole like pomp and circumstance. I really enjoyed that actually. But I also agree I, it was a, a lot. There's I a sweet I, spot. I kind of agree with Jess. I can just kind of ignore the stuff that I don't want to pay attention to and pay attention to the stuff that I care about. And the one thing that I think I do kind of miss from the traditional big convention E3 is there's always a lot of live streams of like, yo, it's the director of God of War or uh, like the somebody who worked on big franchise A and somebody who's working on big franchise B all in a room talking. And I, I miss that. Because like when you don't have all of these bigger names from the games industry together in one space, it's really difficult to get them all on a sofa and on a live stream at two o'clock in the morning drunk talking about games and that that was the part of e3 that i genuinely enjoyed like the announcements were always fine and dandy like i, I could do those whenever but the part of e3 that i enjoyed was just the fact that there was an in-person event where all of those people could go and talk and i'm kind of hoping that if e3 doesn't come back as e3 i'm kind of hoping summer games fest takes over that and builds a in-person event that could replicate that 
Could be, be interesting. Difficult. It could be. So, Corm, from from your perspective as somebody who, who works in the industry, like what what's your take on the direction that uh, E3 or Summer Games Fest or Key 3 has been going? I think it's generally momentarily a very interesting take on how everything progresses and how forced in intuitive, I think it's the word I'm looking for. No, it's not a word I'm looking for, but they're kind of forced to come up with a new thing because of people who are not allowed to meet, blah, blah, blah. And I'm always a fan of uh, progression and moving forward. So why not have this old thing digital and don't have to be standing around with other hundred of crowded people checking out the game and uh, be able to, as you said, walk around on a device and just digitally see everything. But uh, then again, it's kind of missing the personal aspect. So I'm kind of have mixed feelings here. Will it get also all very blunt and not not very personalized and special or will it uh be actually cool that each individual has more time to check out all the things going on because it's all digitally made and accessible and easy to grab and you just could grab your phone and be like okay let's check this out and this announcement and this is happening i don't know like good and bad 50 50 feeling here in my belly I think that E3 kind of lost its way when it tried to become another PAX as far as like the in-person event goes. Like I got invited to go to E3 in 2018 and 2019 and I said no both times because money, but also because I just kind of didn't want to go. <laughs> um, it, it, both of those times it was like, yeah, no, it's like it's an in-person event, but like if you go as non-press, which is what I would have ended up being, um, you would just kind of be at an underwhelming PAX and PAX can be kind of underwhelming sometimes. So it's like, I, I think that it needs to be press and industry for an in-person event. And e even if that means I'm not cool enough to go, I would prefer that over it just trying to become PAX limited edition edition. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like yeah. PAX, but nothing is out yet. <laughs> edition basically. Um, because PAX always ends up being a, a lot of games that are out or games that are out very soon. And I, I think that there needs to be a space for games that are far off still. And we don't really have that currently. But uh, I th I, does anybody have anything else they want to say on the key three, fake E3 front? Oh, there was oh, something that got announced uh, today, I think. Or was it yesterday? I don't know. It was like uh, drunk sleep. Uh, in, in, in Sleep Deprived, it was uh, Dragon's Dogma 2, and that got me out of right. surprise. I was like, what? Finally, after 10 years? No. They're picking up... That's an RPG I'm looking forward to. They're picking <laughs> up on their very unique RPG, and hopefully just rework everything that worked and make it prettier, and I'm happy already. Bigger, prettier, more monsters. The dragon eats your heart a second time. Let's go. <laughs> But uh, I think we're going to go to a real quick break here. And uh, when we come back from that break, uh, we will uh, talk about the games that we've been playing over the past two weeks that are out or playable or demos or other things of that sort. So the Halcyon Frequency Podcast will return momentarily. Hi, this is the Halcyon Frequency Podcast and I am Belanar. You couldn't hear me in this episode, but stick around for the future episodes for some soothing rolling Rs. Meanwhile, hop over to the twitch.tv slash for some building management and strategy games, plus all kinds of variety. 
Come say hi, and let's go on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, episode 22. Uh, for uh, June 19th, 2022. There's, uh, I said this earlier, but there's too many 22s in that sentence. Um, but uh, I, I'm, st- I'm blind. I'm still hosting. I'm, I'm joined by Core. Uh, I'm joined by Kiri. I'm jer- joined by Jess and FG. And we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing this week. Um, so, Kiri, you said that you wanted to go first with It Takes Two. Yes, exactly. It takes 2D Kiri and Mystery to beat this game. Because Mystery, my husband, <laughs> had a day off. <laughs> and... Usually he doesn't want to be on stream with me, but for some reason he changed his mind. So I was looking for something that we could play together. And I, at some point, got gifted It Takes Two. So I thought it's going to be the perfect co-op game because I've heard so many good things about it. And it is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Every single movement you do feels so smooth and thought out. And there's so many cool mechanics in the game. Like you, you basically... I'm going to call it surfing on rails and then jump to the next one. And you've got a rope that you can swing on and, I don't know, do a double jump, dive in the air. It's incredibly creative and fun. It's not particularly difficult because it's like a, a 3D p- puzzle platformer adventure game. I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I'm not really good at those 3D games, but it's super fun, very entertaining. I had trouble with simulation sickness, though, because some of the boss fights, you have to rotate the camera so much to be able to defeat it. So it was kind of handicapped because I, I put my camera movement sensitivity very low, and then it just took ages to turn around. But <laughs> yeah, I kind of had to do that. But in between, like in the the third chapter i think i had to take a break again because my brain just couldn't handle all of it but it's amazing i'm not sure if you've played it anybody i've been looking for somebody to play this game with me since it came out nobody wants to get married and divorced it's a bit of a commitment so (laughs) every time i ask people it's just like no blind i don't want to marry you and also no i don't want to get divorced after i marry you it's like well then Okay. I, I'm, I'm just gonna ask this without spoiling. Has you have you made it to the plushy scene yet? No. That's the reason why I don't play this game. Why I'm never gonna I've play that, that game. I've seen that scene and I think it's hilarious. I think I'm a bad person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't not... get emotional with video games, so I, you know, I I don't think I'll care. Dark whatever Kiri, happens. go. <laughs> I, I, it's not that what? I'm no- emotional, but I don't wanna like. I don't want to be a character that does what that character does. Okay. That's what I'm gonna say because I don't want to spoil it to Kiri. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm very intrigued now. <laughs> so, yeah, you're probably gonna enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> How did you like it? Um, we came to a part where you kind of had to sync the jumping because the platforms are like uh, starting to sink, and the other one kind of rises. And yeah. uh, my better half is like fresh to controllers. She has not really a lot of gaming experience, and uh, we had really hard time passing that part then we'd like try it for an hour because both have to reach the end it's not enough if one makes the the thing and uh, we just gave up i think it's like 40 percent into the game or 50 like halfway and we just never touched it again since then yeah i think you told me that before could be so you need you need somebody else to help you get past that point and then you could continue right yeah 
Possibly. We could try that. I'm not sure we're going to give it a go. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. No, I, I just absolutely love it. A mystery, too. It's, it's really good. Super it's fun. really It is. Cute. It's also beautiful. Well made. Did you have the, the yeah. fishies, the scene, the whale? Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. so good. And this is a witty. Like, I love the, the combat squirrels. <laughs> it's hilarious. And the the love book, whatever its name it is, the doctor, whatever. Hakim. <laughs> yeah, the love D girl. Doctor Hakim. I yeah. was laughing no, so for minute one. <laughs> that was definitely my highlight of the week. <laughs> it was really good. Th this game's funny because it's so divisive. It's like people are either like, "This is actually the greatest thing I've ever ever made," or "This is awful and I hate it." And there's like no in between. I like it how many games they so. mixed in there. Like, there's like Super Mario coming in. There's Sonic. There's yeah. uh, this kind of rail jumping thing. There's Temple Run. There's mm -hmm. I don't know, like all the kind of mix. And that's uh, prior prior game they made. They even brought. I'm not saying that because maybe that's spoiler. Uh, the prior game was is a way out with the two uh, criminals that you play. Yeah, that's I found also those superb. Already. Oh, you found those already? Okay. Yeah, I found them. So there, there are some fun in-game uh, spoilers to that, to the prior game, and yeah, they, they did good. They are amazing at co-op games, and I can't wait to see their next project. I, it just makes me kind of sad because Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons is one of my favorite games ever, and they they've they've just been making co-op games that I can't play since then because I never have. And by the by the time like I I start going screaming out to the world does anybody want to play this everybody's either already played it or doesn't want to play it and it's like why do we do every time would you gonna sit down and play if we can fix our time schedule that's we're not that far apart um also i don't sleep so it's fine uh <laughs> but um yeah so that that's it's that's it takes two um corm talk to me about terry invicta Ooh. Terra Invicta is, is um, our second baby coming on the market from um, Hooded Horse. Uh, and it's... Bless you. <laughs> and it's um, from the makers of the Long War mod of XCOM. And they are combining grand strategy with sci-fi. Uh, and you start similar like XCOM. You have this uh, meeting with the aliens and you have several factions, each with their own ideology. Like, uh, Saudi Arabia tries to leave Earth because, like, oh, crap, aliens are coming, we're doomed, we have to leave Earth. And you kind of try to space rush, build your colony ship and send it out and win the game, like, just leaving Earth and don't care about the rest. The other ones are, like, this Mississippi kind of cliche, super religious ones who, like, oh, aliens, our new survivors and gods, and we have to praise them and, and, and please them. And uh, all these kind of aspects and mechanics playing together. When you first play it, though, it's like a slap into the face because it's so much going on uh, until you, like, figure out how to maneuver around. But once you do, it is gorgeous. Starting on, like, a f fight for power on Earth and then start to build your own spaceship and try to either communicate with the aliens and befriend them or fight them and send out your kind of spaceship in a way that's just like attached satellites and it kind of looks very real in a way that I could imagine a spaceship to look like that we would build right now and it starts in 2022 like that's the start year when the game starts uh, with uh, Russia invading Ukraine 
And uh, that's the current situation where they drop you in and then you have your agents and your, your uh, different factions uh, to fiddle around and manipulate. A little bit like Crusader Kings with the intriguing part with your agents doing all kinds of schemes and whatnot. And uh, it's, it's new, it's fresh, it's cool. I like it and I can't wait to, to play it more when it comes out. I mean, it, this has been on my wish list since I think it first popped up, so I'm very excited for that one. Um, I okay, so I think I think I'll take this next, uh, and I'll jump into more science fiction things. Uh, anybody else here play Starship Troopers? Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, how's everybody feeling on Starship Troopers? Speaking Yay. of playing things that you don't want to do in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I played it before it actually released. I played the first 10 missions because I was allowed to do that with the key that I had. And I loved it. My first Starship Trooper experience at all. I I found it very, very funny, but also horrible, like the things I did. And mm-hmm. for that really cool RTS game. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I've gotten, I did my second day of it today. And I'm not done with the campaign yet. So 12 hours in, not done yet. I like it. So I... I'm a big fan of Starship Troopers. Uh, the, the last Starship Troopers game I played came out in 2005 and was a first-person shooter that had no AI. Uh, everything was on a very strict route that it would take through each level, and when they'd hit the end of their route, they'd stop moving for the rest of the level. Uh, it was a very uh, poorly made game, including things like um, escort missions where your escort would just keep walking. Like That, that <laughs> game was like the poster boy for terrible escort missions i never finished it it was awful um gladly i didn't pay for it i well i i sort of did i got it for about 80 cents in a dollar bin um it was awful um so that was the last uh uh, starship troopers uh, game that i played so i went into this with very low expectations um and they've made a competent i won't say they made it good they made a competent rts game with a cheeseball script and it looks and sounds and plays like Starship Troopers. Agreed, yes. Like, I don't want to say that this game is fantastic, because it's not. It's a solid, like, six and a half, seven out of ten. But it feels like a game that shouldn't have been made in the current year. This feels like something that should have been made in 2003. And uh, it should have been a movie tie-in. And it's it's very strange that this exists. But they did not certainly nail the Starship Troopers feel, and they definitely made a starship troopers game i just wish fun. that it didn't have a memory leak that almost crashed my computer <laughs> i i had zero issues interesting how much memory do you have uh 64 gigabytes huh interesting <laughs> well that should be enough <laughs> that should be. i have 32 um, and i had no issues that's weird i started getting audio stutters uh by mission huh. four and around halfway through mission four uh, certain animations started stuttering and I asked Chad if they could hear it. So I restarted the game. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe there's some sort of leak. And it got worse when I restarted the game. And then it got worse. And then my mouse started lagging and I was like, all right, I need to like, look at it. And I'll pop up a uh, task manager and everything's at 99%. Well, CPU oh, wow. was at like 70. I wonder, like, uh, RAM was at 99%. I yeah. wonder, cause you are on a one PC streaming setup, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's like Starship Troopers plus OBS, but then Kiri was fine, so yeah. I don't know. OBS only uses like 20% of my RAM, though. Not even. Yeah, and I don't know. Th- there's, look at that game. There's no way in hell it should be using more yeah, RAM no, than Cookie Clicker and Dwarf Fortress. Come on. 
Yeah, it was, it was, for me, it was also fun. The only thing that I had, um, my cat somehow found the, kept finding the button, uh, the function key to turn off the, uh, the HUD in-game. And after you then turn that back on, uh, the tooltips disappear. So if you hover over a, a button, the tooltips are gone. So I have to, I had to reload a couple of times. Oh, that's funny. Good cat. Yeah, so there, there were, the, the game is not bug-free either, right? But I don't know. It, I, I played it today for like seven hours straight. I think it's six, fun. Six, it's fun. Like, yeah, it's fun. it's fun. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. It's not polished. It's not like amazing, but it's fun. And it's Starship Troopers. It just is. Funny enough, there's one thing that bugs me. And that's why I did not play it or end it, end up not it playing. It bugs you, but, huh? Exactly. It bugs. Sorry. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> it's because uh, they are leaning on not the books but the movies. And the movies are super gory, cringy. They kind of nailed that cringy atmosphere. But I don't know. We expected like massive massacres of a bug crushing things. And then you have like this skirmish going on. And there's like hundreds of bugs lying in front of you. And a few seconds later, you just see this hundred of bugs sinking slowly into the ground and disappearing. I was like, what the hell? I don't know that 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 kind of bugged me and took away my immersion. I was like, I'm, I don't see the havoc and the destruction that my troops have made in the homeland of a alien species that I'm invading because I want their minerals. Uh, and yeah, that was kind of immersion breaking for me. I mean, Dawn of War One, for example, coming back to Warhammer, they are having similar graphics, even though being a game in 2000, I think. And uh, shouldn't be made current year. <laughs> and they manage when you when you have your warfare going on, you just see the havoc. Like when you come back with your troops going over the same part again, you see like craters there because of grenades explosion. You see bodies lying around. You see guts lying around. I expected like guts and glory of a bug fest in a way. You want if carnage. you zoom in all the way, blood should splatter on the screen, and also uh, bodies shouldn't disappear. I agree. I don't know, maybe I'm just weird, but other than oh, that, I, I enjoyed that the mechanics. It was because good. Because of the performance thing. Yeah, it's like, like well, corpses oh, lying around. Oh, probably. Like, that, that's like almost always the reason my bodies disappear in games mm. is because lag. Too yeah. many yeah. polygons. Too many mm. items. Like, there, there's one thing that really broke my immersion is um, I noticed it most in the uh, prison defense level. It's one of the earlier levels. I can't remember what level number it is, but... um where the, you're supposed to rescue a guy and then kill him uh, because obviously he's a criminal because how dare you start a union um anyway uh the the when when you're defending like this wall they can climb up over the wall and if they die while the bugs are climbing the wall they actually finish their climbing animation and then die on top of the wall mm. yeah so they'll be like climbing up the wall and you'll see like 10 bugs and they'll just be like yay we we've won we've destroyed the alien threat and they'll just like Still climbing the wall, climb up onto the wall, stand on the wall for a few seconds, die, slowly sink in the wall. Yeah, okay, that's kind of like, weird. <laughs> it, it's kind of weird, but also kind of amusing in a weird way. I I don't know if for for some reason it just it just fits. I don't know. It fits. It's, it's I don't know. It fits. I don't know. It, oh, I don't know. In, in in regards to the book universe versus the movie universe, I like the un movie universe more. Same. I, I really like just the absolute goofy and like anti-fascist yeah. satire like there's yeah. something about it where it's just like it just kind of works 
<laughs> and I, so I, I am a big fan. Like I listened to the audiobooks years ago, but like I, I'm a big fan of the way the 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 the, the movie kind of satirizes all of that insanity. Um, and I, I think that the the writing in the game and the animated cutscenes in the game, I think, are probably my highlights. Like playing the game is just kind of going through the motions, just to have more of those animated cutscenes fed to you and be indoctrinated into the uh, f- federation for the. Uh, uh, the 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 um anti bug threat because the fact that a bug thinks is frankly offensive. <laughs> they, pause for popcorn. They think <laughs> the brain bug does. I think the concept that that bug thinks is frankly offensive. Yeah, no, the the bugs are super intelligent. Like okay. I, I I'm well, assuming like because but like certain some ones yeah. They're a hive mind, but like yeah. th- this is the this is if this is your first like your first like thing for like Starship Troopers. Yes. I would recommend watching the first movie or reading the, one of the books because like it is like so many people have told me that. Yes. Oh, watch the movie! You will laugh your ass off. It's so cringy. That, that that movie literally starts off with just like live on on the ground in the battlefield. We're winning, and then like a guy just gets cut in half like immediately. It's like, all right. Um, it's so good. It's, it's good. It's just over-the-top anti-fascist violence, and it's great. <laughs> I've just, never seen it. Watch, watch it. it. It's on Netflix. It's, it's so just good. Go watch it. I, I might, might go watch it again. I might. It doesn't sound very appealing to me. It's me just, neither. It's just pure buck, <laughs> buck gore and shooting. It's just goofy. Yeah. And goofy, so goofy lines and one-liner that are just like, just... Yeah. You yeah, either yeah, love that, that, that You're not selling it well. <laughs> No, but it's, it's not. It's not. It's not cringy humor or anything like that. Like, it's, I suppose I have to give it a try. Yeah, it's. It's not. It's not. It's not cringy, and like there, there is like a cohesiveness to the entire story, and like how far they take the jokes. It's a live action cartoon. Because the thing is, like, it's it's like satire, and the thing is, the characters don't realize how freaking crazy what they're saying and doing is but you as the viewer realize it because because they've all been brainwashed it's just oh it's good it's really clever actually it's all good. right there's a there's a really good quote from the i think the producer on the first movie where he says yeah i thought that we were making a very good like anti-fascist satire because you know, it's pretty clear that you know these characters are idiots <laughs> um no. but uh, it's apparently very popular amongst right-wing neo-fascists because they just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, um, Jess, talk to me about Domekeeper. <laughs> okay, I have nothing to say about Starship Troopers. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so Domekeeper, that was a demo that I tried for uh, during Next Fest, actually on Carrie's recommendation, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen it, and then I, I I gave it a try, and so I think that this one ended up being my favorite. It is really good. It, it was a tie between Orcs and Domekeeper, but like after a couple days now, I think Domekeeper wins, and I don't know. So Domekeeper, it is you're gonna hate it blind but it describes itself as a roguelike (laughs) mining action game (laughs) but so it's a it's a mining it's a i would maybe classify it as like a mining action wave defense game but so like you mine 
You find resources, you upgrade your dome, and fight off waves of aliens. At least in the demo, there's a few other, like, modes and, like, wind conditions that are locked. But it just, it was really cool. I liked it. It felt nice, but it also was really pretty. Like, I, I liked the art a lot and mm. the colors. And I think that's why I ended up picking this one as my number one over orcs, because the, the colors are just, like, it's very nice to look at. I need to try this because I, I played the game jam game that they made, which was Dome Romantic. And this is like based on that. So yeah. I, I was not super enthused by Dome Romantic, but I'm I'm curious to see a more refined version of that. I just like it I I really like games where you dig things. I do not know why, I just like to dig. <laughs> so, Jess is a dwarf and she's digging a hole. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that's what you do, you just dig. The thing is with and Domekeeper... then you shoot a laser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, the thing with Domekeeper is it's like it's like one of those because it's, it's run-based. And it's like, all right, I'm going to do it better next time. And then you do a bit better. And then you're like, okay, I can do this better and longer and better. And, and yeah. I played it too. And I know a lot of my community played it as well. They played it for like over... Because uh, in the demo, the run doesn't end... Like the demo isn't timed. You can play it as long as you want. Yeah, I played it twice, and I, I'm pretty sure I played it twice. I lost both times. Same, <laughs> but you can play really long. I think you can theoretically even win in the demo, because there's a win condition, and I think you can win, but it's really hard. It's it's good. Yeah, I, I liked it. I kept finding myself like, ooh, I'm digging, I'm digging, I'm digging. Oh my gosh, my dome's at half health. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I just, same. Just get lost being my little, like, um... I don't know, you kind of look like a like a bee or something, like my little bee dwarf. And meanwhile, my dome is just succumbing to all these alien attacks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of games where you go on runs, FG, Curse to Golf. I'm excited about this one, and I'm going to play it after this podcast. What do you think? It's really fun. It's really fun. So it's, um, it describes itself as a golf roguelike. <laughs> <laughs> still excited about it it just be, doesn't matter if it's wrong it's like, i mean be like art like xcom calling itself an rts i mean it's 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 <laughs> it, it's turn-based you take turns shooting your putting your goal but anyways so curse to golf is a 2d side scrolling uh golf game but the gist is you're a golfer you're just about to make the last shots in the championship and you're so close to winning and then you get struck by lightning and you die and you get sent sent to golf purgatory, which is, uh, th th and then you meet like this, uh, Scottish guy that runs the, uh, the, the shops, the eternity shops down there where you can buy your cards that you need for your runs later on. And basically you have 18 levels in the full game and they get progressively more difficult. And basically it's like sort of a golf game, but with puzzling, cause you need to like, uh, make sure that you get to the hole before your par runs out, so your shots. But you can cheat a little bit because you get these cards that help you. So you can, like, destroy TNT to get, like, do to shortcuts. You can add a couple of shots to your par and that sort of stuff. And it gets really tricky later on because you have to, like, you have to, like, um, maneuver your shots and bounce off things and get around obstacles and whatnot. It's just, it's just a really cool idea. Dear, 
uh, to do with with like a golfing, a, a 2D side-scrolling golfing game, game. And I really liked it. The music is also really great. And uh, the devs came by to my stream and they already said they're going to turn off. Well, they're going to put an option in the game to turn off screen shake as well because there's screen shake. That's so good. It's no not horribly shake. obnoxious and there's not too much of it, but yeah, they're still going to put a an option in, which is great. Love to hear it. Yep. Also, can I just give a give like a shout out to a game that I played a demo that I played? Um, wrote because it reminded me of uh, like Domekeeper reminded me of it because it had a similar really pleasing aesthetic art style and it was amazing uh, to play. Road Warden, super awesome art style, pixel art. It's an RPG. Uh, it's basically a one person. D&D &D adventure you don't roll dice but you you have like an inventory health management etc etc it's just not voice so there's lots of reading so I didn't do it long on stream but it's amazing and I'm still gonna play it what, what did you say it was road warden it's one word road. it's like really atmospheric oh, and well written well written and um Ooh, the art is style is, is really great yeah it looks nice yeah. Yeah, I, I landed on Road Warriors. No, 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 Road <laughs> Warden. Just, just, just shouting it out for the art style, and and there you go. Mm. Snuck in mm -hmm. my. That looks like something I would play. I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, great. It's, it's really great. I I thought I I picked these two. Notally, because we said we only do one, but it's because these are these are <laughs> it's games short, that right. It's fine. It's short. Yeah, it's fine. But nobody else has played it, so I picked those because I also played Domekeeper and I really enjoyed it. For example. Yeah, I mean, I, I have more games I could talk about, but, Same. you know, we've been recording for an hour and 20-something minutes now, and uh, yeah, we're, we're only just finishing the news section. So uh, for the sake of everybody's time, we're keeping the game section a little short today, because let's be honest, this whole podcast has been about games, because we started off with, like, all the E3 stuff, and I just downloaded that demo for War Road Warden. Thanks, FG. Uh, and uh, then, you know, we, we covered Starship Troopers, It Takes Two, Dome Keeper, Curse to Golf, and, of yeah. course, Terra Invicta. Uh, coming soon to a storefront near you. Uh, but I think we're going to go to another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the, the news in, in, in the games industry. Uh, and, uh, well, games adjacent, I suppose. Um, so we'll be back in a couple of minutes right after these uh, short words. Hey, my name is Arch from Arch Play Stuff. And you're listening to the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. I'm not on this one, but if you want to catch me live on Twitch, you can at twitch.tv slash archplaystuff. Happy listening. All right, we are back with episode 22 of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, and we're here to talk about the news. Um, so the first thing we kind of have on our little list of stories here is um, Seth Green. So TLDR for people who missed this whole event. Seth Green... Um, voice actor for Mass Effect and other things that you've probably heard before, as well as uh, kind of a maybe a cult favorite actor, I guess, um, from TV shows from when I was a child. Uh, and uh, anyway, he, um, he, he had a bored ape. You know, the, the very popular NFT from, from the Bored Ape Yacht Club and uh, was working on a, a TV show starring his bored ape. Um, it's a live action TV show where his bored ape uh, named Fred, uh, it, it takes 
pl- plays a bartender. Um, anyway, uh, through an Instagram phishing scam, uh, he lost control of his board ape and it was stolen by a, a scammer who then immediately turned around and sold it. Um, so then he, Seth Green went and reached out to the person who bought it from him and said, Hey, can you please just give me the NFT? Like, you know, like I need it for this show. His show got put on hold and we all laughed at him. Um, then after like trying to go through legal ways to get his NFT back, the courts basically said, yeah, we can't do anything. It's, it's decentralized, you silly goose. And then he went, well, and now he's spent another $300,000 in Ethereum on his NFT for the second time. And also... So the, the the kind of amazing thing about this, right, is you you buy a, a, a thing that you want to maintain value, right? Makes a TV show out of the thing to inflate its value. It gets stolen, which inflates its value. Somebody buys it, which inflates its value even more, and then he has to buy it back at an inflated price from what it was originally worth, more than what he paid for it as crypto is just going boom. Because he bought it for $300,000 in crypto now with crypto that's worth less than it was when he bought it the first time. That's ridiculous. <laughs> To, to me, it's How? just like... Go ahead. <laughs> it's the most 2022 thing that could possibly happen. <laughs> I, I don't understand how this is necessary for a TV show. To inflate the value of his NFT. It's like you buy a very fancy car and you paint a, a sticker on the side, and then you're like, I want this car to be in the new Batman so I can sell this car for more money. Well, it's also basically he needs to own the NFT because otherwise he legally can't make the TV show about the NFT. That's already basically. I guess finished. I don't get the TV show about the NFT thing. Well, he, so you see, he's making like this comedy show with lots of characters, and some of them are gonna be NFTs that he owns. Okay. So basically, basically, think it's like it's like a it's like I think it's like IRL backgrounds, but then cartoon characters, and the cartoon characters it's like Roger Rabbit. Yeah, and the cartoon characters are NFTs. And he owns currently those NFTs, but I guess people can then later on buy those NFTs. And yeah, it's it's very 2022. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that about sums it up. Yep. Yep. That about okay. sums it up. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of things that sums things up, um, FG, do you want to talk to me about Blizzard? No, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> so um, um, Blizzard has concluded in their own investigation by Blizzard Activision, that Blizzard Activision has done nothing wrong and Blizzard Activision can't be blamed for anything. <laughs> um, basically, it, uh, so um, this, 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 the headline comes from a Verge article. Others have also reported about this, but they just had the, the best headline, so I grabbed this, this uh, article. And um, basically... After all of the uh, harassment and uh, all of those those things came out, um, one of the things that came out of that as like a form of making restitutions, apparently they they did their own investigation and uh, they determined that there's no evidence. So this is a direct quote from Activision Blizzard's filing. Contrary to many of the allegations, the board and external advisors have determined that there is no evidence to suggest that Activision Blizzard senior executives ever intentionally ignored or attempted to downplay the instances of gender harassment that occurred and were reported. So that is that is uh, what they have concluded. So basically what they're saying is, well, this stuff has happened, but 
our executives have done nothing wrong because they didn't downplay it. It's ah, uh, I don't know. They just keep going, and then they keep. They also accuse the media of like, um, you know, like subjecting them to an unrelenting barrage of media criticism. And I just, I don't, oh, God, damn Blizzard. straight. <laughs> they're not making it better. No, no, they're really they're not making it better, and uh, they, yeah, it's just I'm I'm. Ah, Blizzard. That's all I can say. What has happened to you? That's all. When, I... when, when this article <sighs> came out, and when, or rather, when, when this when this story broke, I guess, um, like we're looking at an article on the Verge, but there's a, a lot of different articles about the subject. I when, when the story broke for this, I I just kind of took a look at it and was just thinking to myself that there's a lot of hand wringing going on because there's a lot of people at the top of Blizzard and Activision that just kind of want to get out with money. Mm. And it's because there, there's a lot there's a lot of posturing and poising that you kind of see amongst billionaires and people at the top of industries where they're just like, on one hand, trying to run their company, but on the other hand, trying to impress their friends and trying to be richer than their friends. And it's just like, OK, so we, we did a bad. Let's cover it up as much as possible and then turn around and go shake hands with, I don't know, rich person number 32. And it's just like, it's difficult to watch from the perspective of somebody who I guess technically is part of the media. Like we're small voices in the media, but we're still part of the media. Mm. It's difficult to watch because it's clear as day. And these people at the top of these companies live in a different universe than the rest of us. And this just makes that so much more clear to me. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, I don't know, like, did they actually think that anybody would take like what they say like seriously or like believe that report i don't know it's uh their own investigation if yeah, yeah exactly were, like yeah. an independent third party but their own <laughs> investigation about their own thing that they did right yeah exactly yeah. it's that's fun it's just like one of these health uh investigation thing that happens sometimes on food sale place and they come up to you like hey we come to check the place and he's like oh, i'm gonna check myself he looks down to his right all good yeah yeah pretty much yeah there's still food there <laughs> okay <laughs> and it's moving i think i mean it's just like one giant conflict of interest <laughs> i don't know how anyone could take it seriously yeah right yeah yeah I mean, on on the back of this, I think uh, Activision and now Microsoft are. Uh, I I do kind of feel that this is going to end for the better of the industry as a whole, um, because it's gotten a lot of balls rolling that I don't think would have gotten rolling as quickly. You know, we Raven and their QA has successfully unionized, which is a huge deal. Yep. Um, for especially game development in North America. And uh, I don't think that would have happened if all of this with Blizzard hadn't happened. I just, I, I don't think they would have been able to successfully unionize if there wasn't a calamity going down at like Blizzard HQ um, and spreading throughout Activision. I, I feel like it would have just gotten buried. I think that one of the benefits of having the media, I guess, constantly staring at you and bombarding you, and as they say, at a barrage, um, it forces you to do things. 
that you wouldn't have allowed to happen otherwise. And it's painful to watch and it's difficult and it's obnoxious, but I'd like to I mean, think it'll end for the better. It also shifts it from something that's more internal to being external. And now like all these eyes are on it as well. Not just the media, um, like with the endless barrage, but now just everybody's aware or at least mm -hmm. most people are aware this is happening and it affects their bottom line. Yeah. So it I kind mean, like, of, you know, you know, like puts strong arms them into making a change. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. You know, like we, we were talking about Diablo earlier, right? And Diablo looks good, but there's parts of that studio where games are coming out and things are being released that don't. <laughs> mm. And it, it really, like, just take two looks at Overwatch 2 and the reception of that. Um, like, how hard do you have to fall as a studio to go from being quite literally the darling on top of the world to nobody cares? <laughs> it's it's difficult to watch. But speaking of things that are difficult to watch, um, I don't know how much we want to go into these two, but I, I just kind of want to recommend um, two videos. One is Stalker 2's development log. Really um, good one, yeah. Which is, it, it, it's at three minutes long. It's heartfelt and fascinating, and it's basically just a bunch of really quick jump cuts of GSC Game World packing up their studio and moving out of um, their hometown in Ukraine and relocating all of their uh, computers and um, development hardware, as well as... Um, jumping between a bunch of um, members of the, the studio while they're fighting uh, in defense of Ukraine. Um, and it, it's just, it's hard to watch, but I recommend it. It's its interesting because those are some faces that I recognize from the industry too. Um, so there's that one that I recommend watching. Then the second one is uh, a recent video um, from a group that I proudly support on Patreon, which is um, uh, People Make Games. Uh, they released a, a long series of interviews with frog various members of the team at Frogwares, uh, who, who we actually talked about recently on this show because they got a mega grant from Epic to relocate. Um, this was mostly filmed before that. Um, I think entirely filmed before that, uh, where they talk with the uh, CEO and founder of the studio, as well as a bunch of uh, people via video call and um, some people who have relocated out of Ukraine. Um, from Kiev, where the, the studio is based. Um, for those of you who don't know, Frogwares, they, they, they've made all the, the Sherlock Holmes games. Like, they make, they, they make, like, Sherlock Holmes games. They make mystery games. And uh, it's, it's a fascinating set of interviews, and they've raised a lot of money already uh, because the video itself is a fundraiser. Um, and how much are they at right now? They, they had a goal of, like, 5,000, and they'd already surpassed that. Yeah, they're at 8,000 USD um, from... Uh, uh, 5,000, which is what their goal was. So they've got 30 days left on that fundraiser, so I recommend watching both those videos, and I'll just attach them uh, alongside of this podcast, so um, you can find them there. Anybody else want to comment on anything that I've spoken about in the last couple minutes, or should we just move on? That stalker, no. The stalker devlog was what made me cry. <laughs> yeah. That was, was so Aww. sad. It's kind yeah, of heartbreaking it's, it's to see heartbreaking. them see them in the LAs of their flats sitting around typing on their computers coding stuff while 
running down into the basement uh, because of uh, bombshell warning and then come back up and just continue like there's nothing nothing happening because they want to uh, ship their game. This kind of also shows how much love and dedication is behind their project in a way. Mm. I hope it doesn't yeah. end bad in a way if it's like unpublished, unpol unpolished and uh, getting stomped upon the bad internet vibes. Don't think so. I I've had such a mixed feelings about Stalker 2 because on one hand, I've played Stalker. Uh, I've played the three previous Stalker games, if you could call them three games. I played Stalker and the two ex standalone expansion packs, and I played Stalker Anomaly, um, and I played Metro 2033, and I like that vibe, and I love those games and that style of game, and I'm was very keen on Stalker 2 and then they announced NFTs and then I was yelling at them on Twitter like everybody else and then they got rid of NFTs and then we laughed at them and then now this happened and I, I'm back to just wanting to play Stalker again. So I, I don't know. It's a it's been a weird emotional roller coaster, but I mean it'll be on Game Pass day one apparently. So that was yep. the one real takeaway about Stalker from E3 is that it'll be on Game Pass day one whenever it does finally release. Um but I hope that uh members of the GSC Game World team stay safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather they stay safe than like try to crank out the game and work on it. Like, you know, there's the a game can really wait. interesting note from the Frogwares interviews, um, which was we should keep developing our games because when the games release and as the games make money, it helps the country rebuild. It's like Frogwares oh, yeah, yeah. Em employs 100 people like just over 100 people which is just over 100 families which is not a small amount of people right um and like the the ceo of frogwares is in france right now he was working remote because he's he's french and he lives in france but he used to live in kiev and left uh when the pandemic hit and to to live in france um uh, because they were all working remote anyway and and he was talking about how he has contact with every single person in his studio and knows where everybody is and is helping relocate people and move people around. And it's, and he was just talking about the importance of like still working on their projects, but at the same time, making sure people are safe just mm. because as long as people are getting paid, that's helping the country. Right. That's oh yeah, wholesome. of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So, there, there's wholesome bits in those videos, but also that's, they're heartbreaking. <laughs> so, um, Enough of the kind of rough stuff. Um, I got one small note. I'm attacking this onto the news section, even though it's not really news, because um, I, I have this, um, which is a tiny little box that I'm holding up on the camera, which you can't see. I have an Arju Boy. <laughs> um, I can sort of do like a physical description review because I haven't actually turned it on yet. But um, an Arju Boy is a open source console the size of a credit card. It's a tiny little Game Boy thing. It feels like a credit card. It has a steel back, which actually feels really nice, and it's, like, I don't know. It's got a nice feel to it. Um, it's very tiny, um, How can but you it's, it's just a D-pad and two buttons and an on-off button. That's it. How do you play that? Yeah. With your fingers. Yeah, but are you not going <laughs> to drop it? Like, it's so tiny. And it might just super okay. tiny. Okay. But it's, like... The, the the actual the screen is like two postage stamps. <laughs> it's like I think my my hands would cramp holding this. Two cent. Oh, my hands will cramp too. But um, <laughs> it's it's not a long play session thing, right? Like it on on the box it says uh, 
okay, <clears throat> 200 plus games inside because it comes shipping with 200 games. Um, but if you go to their forums, which is just the Arju Boy uh, forums, um, it is an open source console. So everything on it is open source and very easy to program. And it's kind of a, it fits into what I really like about games. I, I really like kind of the short, small, experimental, weird stuff in the games industry. It's probably my, my favorite thing to cover. And it's also my favorite thing to experience and mess around with. And the fact that it's open source and the fact that it's affordable, this uh, particular device that I'm holding in my hand right now, I'll, I'll attach a link in the, um, in, in the description of this podcast to it, if you guys would like, um, but, or I, I just will, but um, it's, it's 60 bucks for this thing, right? But all of the games are open source and free. So you have your 200 games that are built in plus things that other people have made. And if you look at the back, there's, just included, there's little platformers, there's little puzzle games, there's a little factory building game, uh, there's old takes on, new takes on old arcade games, there's like a first person, there's first person dungeon crawlers, there's Zelda clones, there's sports games, there's a golf game on this thing, uh, there's platformers like Super Mario Brothers, and it's not the sort of thing that you're gonna sit down and play for nine hours, right? Like, yeah, it's, I wouldn't even say it's something that, that, that you'd sit down and play for an hour, it's not even like a Game Boy, it's like something that you'd sit down and you play for ten minutes. And that's kind of what these games are all designed for, because they're they're all a couple kilobytes, and uh, it's true eight bit, so they're tiny, and there's not a lot they can do with them. So operating within those constraints to make a fun little toy or a fun little game in a very small package is something that really intrigues me, which is why I also ordered a playdate, which hasn't arrived yet, which I'm waiting for. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Arju Boy is something that I picked up kind of shortly after I bought the Playdate, um, or pre-ordered a Playdate, I guess. And it took a little bit for it to ship, but it's it's arrived now, and uh, by the next episode of this podcast, I can hopefully give you a proper review of it. I'm looking forward okay. to that. Okay, boy. I would like to hear your review about how well it handles being dropped on the floor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please don't. I mean, I will say, it is metal. Like, it's solid metal, and it, it, it will fit in a wallet, like, card slot. Yeah. Like it is, it's cool. It is I like small. the idea of it. It's just tiny. Yeah, but that's the I would point. Lose I want to take it to a park. I, I would drop it. Games. I'd probably lose it in the toilet or something. Like, <laughs> <sighs> well. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to to hearing what you have to say about it. And I love your enthusiasm yeah. about it. Like, I mean, the others can see it, but on the camera, like, super excited about it to to give it a spin. And it's, it's like, I, I get, I get excited about weird things. That's totally fine. Yeah, it's I a cool mean, gadget. If you look at the logo work, it's definitely not inspired by a Game Boy. Although this is, definitely not, definitely not. Uh, but, uh, I think that that kind of brings us to the end of this here episode of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast for, uh, what? Episode 22, June 19th, 2022. Um, so I'm just going to, uh, give it, give the floor to our guest here. Uh, tell people where they can find you, tell people where they can find Hooded Horse, where they can find the stuff that you do in your content and where people can buy uh, the company that you work for as games. Amazing. So, uh, let's start with Hooded Horse. It's uh, pretty simple. Hoodedhorse.com. You can see all our announced games there. They're not all there because we have a lot of, uh, well, behind the curtain, curtain things running and, uh, putting down the deals and whatnot. There's a lot of more to announce. I think in total, 
We have something around 15 to 16 babies on the go. Uh, I call them babies. And uh, that's the easiest way to check them out. They're all over uh, Steam, Epic, GOG, whatever is your favorite platform to grab them. Uh, they're all over there. And uh, for myself, you can find me on Twitch under Kormakr TV. I know, most terrible name for publishing and, and marketing, but I have a good story behind it. Maybe I will tell it one day. I don't know. Uh, and uh, that's why I stick with it. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, uh, same handle, Kormakr, Kormakr everywhere. And... Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm a very emotional kind of a guy, and I like to dive into stories. I don't mind the genre as long as it tells me a story. I'm there. I'm living it. I'm screaming with the character. I'm crying with the character. I'm getting all of kind of emotional roller coasters. That's why audience love to see me play spooky games, and I hate to play them because they haunt me for two weeks in my private life afterwards. Ooh, you must be looking forward to the Callisto Protocol then. Oh, I've seen it. Nah, yeah, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to hide it and dodge that bullet, but probably the your Vikings will by chanting in background, play it, play it. And, do it, do it, do yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to have them probably fun things like hard read monitors and, and to spice it up, scare alerts or whatever. That sounds fun to watch. Yeah, it's fun to watch. It's horrendous <laughs> for me. And uh, it, it takes me probably then again a month to digest whatever happens during that playthrough. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kiri, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me online as Tudi Kiri on Twitch and YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Patreon. And I stream strategy games, indie games, lots of demos currently. And... Uh, you know, stop by. Jess? Sure. Uh, I am Jess, also Whoa Jess. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Discord, Patreon, somewhere else. And sometimes there's an underscore in the middle and sometimes there's not. <laughs> I play a lot of <laughs> strategy, simulation, management, also a lot of demos. Yeah. AFG? Yeah, hi, I'm FG, FG Squared, uh, basically everywhere, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, Patreon, Tiki Toki, um, but uh, there is a sneaky underscore on Twitter between the FG and the Squared. I play a wide variety of stuff, some indie, some AAA, just whatever floats my boat right now. We're going to finish up Starship Troopers, probably do some demos on Monday, and then um, Raft. Because that is getting its story story finished. I'm excited about that. Ooh, Raft. Raft, yes. The concept of Raft having a story is very strange to me because I only played the very, very, very early Itch demo. Mm, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Are you going to play a new Raft? Or are you going to no, pick gonna up where over. he left off? No, nah, I'm going to start over because I don't remember what happened. <laughs> <laughs> You mean you're starting over so that the, the, the viewers don't get lost? Yeah, of course. Yep, yep, yep. That's, that's, that's a better explanation, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm blind. And as of tomorrow, I go on vacation. Uh, so I won't be on the podcast next week, which means you guys get to figure it out without me. Good luck. Um, so uh, can, I'm not responsible for anything that happens next week, but I'm blind and you can find me at twitch.tv slash B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L and YouTube under the same name, Twitter under the same name and Patreon under the same name. Uh, I actually tweet now, so it's worth following me again. And um, 
I, I play way too much Dwarf Fortress. It's not a problem. You're the problem. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I also I also play traditional <laughs> roguelikes and games you haven't heard of, and that that's what I do. Dwarf um, Fortress theme and yeah. hype. Yes. yes. I'm I'm literally the the one man hype train on YouTube for that game. Um <laughs> and uh then uh for the podcast you can find more episodes of this show at halcyonfrequency.com. You can also find this podcast on a podcast platform of your choice. If you want to ask us questions about the podcast or talk about podcast episodes, the Halcyon Frequency Discord is the place to do that. We have a room for both of those things. You can find that through halcyonfrequency.com. Uh, in the description of this podcast is everything that we talked about today, including links to our guest and a hooded horse. And uh, I think that is pretty much everything. Have I forgotten anything? Uh, nope. Right. If uh, nope. the podcast isn't in a place where you want it to be, tell me and I will make it appear there. That's everything. I think by now the podcast is everywhere. Pretty much, yeah. Um, leave us reviews on Podcast Addict because that's apparently a place that people listen to podcasts a lot and we have like 12 followers over there. So go leave us reviews over there. Because <laughs> they awesome. have reviews that are way easier to leave than iTunes. Nice. And I think that's pretty much it. So now is where we say goodbye. Right. Goodbye. Relatively synced. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.